Thank you for listening to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We're a non-denominational congregation that serves the Fairfield through the New Haven area in Connecticut. If you would like to find out more about our ministry, you can find us on the web at sctcoc.org. Hey, good morning, church. I wish I could be with you all in person, but for the time being, this is the way we're going to be doing things. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn over to Philippians chapter 4. I sent out a social media video post yesterday as well as an app post. And if you saw those, then you know what we're going to be doing here for a while going out. If not, please check with those later so that you can be brought up to speed with everything that's going on with our church, where we're going, what we're doing, and uh, how we're going to be uh, conducting uh, business. It won't be as usual, but certainly we can continue on with our fellowship and uh, and God will continue to be glorified. These are very challenging times, but they don't need to be overwhelming times. And as disciples of Jesus, our perspective should be shaped less by what we see around us and more by our faith in God Almighty. And that's not easy, but God has given us the tools to be able to do just that. And there was nobody more challenged than Jesus himself, who while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, fell with his face to the ground in anguish over his situation. And he was able to keep going because of his faith in God. And no matter the situation, it gets down to one important question. Do I believe that God is in control? Do I really believe that no matter what's going on, in my life, the life of my family, my friends, my church, my community, the world, that God really is in control. But what do we even mean by God being in control? I mean, we say it, we read it, I think we believe it, but probably the real question is, do we actually do it? And I want you to look with me in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with me in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so we have to put this into perspective. Remember where Paul was. He's writing this from a prison cell in Rome. And somehow, through all the terrible situations he was going through at that time, he was able to rejoice in his life. What did that even look like? Well, the word rejoice, we understand to be filled with joy. Right, So we rejoice when we're at a, a party. We rejoice when we're at a celebration. We're filled with joy for what's going on, for what's going on around us, for what we're involved with at the moment. But that word can also be translated as gladness. And that's a word that we tend to use a lot more. We say things like, glad to meet you, or you know, glad it worked out. Or oftentimes we say, glad to be here. Now, when you think about Paul sitting in that prison cell, do you think he was glad to be there? So why so joyful? I think he was joyful because he refused to be controlled by his circumstances. 
there were things that he understood to be under his control, and then there were things that he understood to be beyond control. What was under his control was his attitude towards God and his faith with God. And really, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what might be taken away from you or whatever, you know, whatever might be infringing on your personal life right now, the thing that can never, ever be taken away from you is your faith in God. You can choose to give it away, but nothing will take it away. And so Paul was not going to be controlled by his circumstances. He had a very different perspective on life, even though life for the moment for him was very challenging. But Paul had this deep inner vision that you can only get from an intimate relationship with God. He wasn't the only one. You see this really throughout our heroes of the Bible. Peter had, a very, had very much the same perspective on life. And Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And that really goes along with something we understand. If God is for us, who can be against us? But I love what Paul says in verse 6 of Philippians 4. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's quite a challenge. Anything? I mean, is Paul serious? Do not be anxious about anything. Because I can believe, I believe that we can be anxious about so many things. And right now, there's a lot to be anxious about. Anxiety in and of itself is not a sin. I think it's a reaction, and it's a fearful reaction. It's what we do with that anxiety. I think when Paul is saying, don't be anxious, I think what he's saying is, you've got to cast your anxieties, as, as Peter said, you've got to cast your anxiety on, on God because he cares for you. But we can be anxious about a lot of things, especially right now. When you look at the news that's going on around us, the situation with COVID-19 and the world reaction to it, it makes us very anxious. We can be anxious about work. Will I be able to get to work? What if you can't work from home? How am I going to support my family? What if you go into a grocery store like I did yesterday and walk around and look at the aisles and see them becoming bare? You begin to think, what if I can't get any food? What if I can't get toilet paper? That's a big thing right now. People are anxious about that. Our earthly nature when we're anxious, is so often to worry first, fret second, and then pray third. But with Paul, it was just the opposite. He prayed first and didn't bother with the rest. Imagine not being anxious about anything. Paul turned his worries into prayers. He says, present your request to God and your anxieties to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts. The more we pray, the less we worry. And great things happen when we do that. God will guard your heart. And doesn't that sound great? I think for many of us, sometimes it's that peace of God that we're missing. We get the power of God. We get the strength of God. We get the grace of God. Uh, we get the goodness of God. I think we get the kindness of God. 
I think we see the love from God. Many times we have certainly felt the wrath of God. But when we're anxious, what we need most is to feel the peace of God. And Paul found it. With all the turmoil in his life, his heart and his mind were guarded and they were protected. And why is that important? Because the unprotected an unguarded heart is an open door for Satan's attack. Have you ever noticed how that happens and what happens when we're anxious? Something hits. It can be anything. It can be any kind of crisis, any kind of tragedy, any kind of surprise, any kind of upheaval in your life. Certainly what's going on right now would, would count for all of that. But when those things hit, then there's a part of your heart and there's a part of your mind that is, that is pricked right away. And you're either going to have a fight or flight response. You're going to crawl into a cave. You're going to act out. You're going to do something. But when you're faced with some kind of an immediate crisis situation, you automatically have a response. Well, when it's an anxious response and our heart and our minds are not guarded in Christ. So in other words, we're not viewing this with, a, with a, a godly perspective. We're not seeing that, you know, God loves me. God is going to take care of me. God is still good. God hasn't left. God hasn't abandoned us. When we respond with a very anxious and worried sort of attitude, then the brain tends to go numb. And you can begin to feel faithless. And you can feel negative. And oftentimes, we panic. And when we panic, we do very irrational things. And that's what you see going on around us right now. Because many people are not viewing the current crisis with a godly, Christ-like perspective, then they're panicking. And they're doing very irrational things. Walk through the grocery store right now, and you see the, the evidence of people responding in a very panic, irrational sort of way. Also, all of our problems and fears become much bigger than the solutions. God can fix anything. And there's a spiritual solution to everything that happens in our lives. But when our hearts and our minds are unprotected and unguarded, then all we see is problems. All we see is negative. All we see, if, see is, is how things are not going to work out rather than, hey, God is in control. Of course things are going to work out. Why would God not work things out if, if God loves me the way that I know the Bible says he does. Well, then we start getting a little, a little edgy with people. We start blaming people. And eventually we blame God. And at that point, it's all downhill. But Paul says, no, there is a better way. No matter what it is, give it to God. God knows what he's doing. God made you. God created your life. God gave you life. If it needs to be fixed, God will fix it. If it needs to be worked out, guess what? God will work it out. If it needs to be changed, God will change it. Have this attitude with everything that's going on right now. What is God doing? Now, I've often said with everything that happens in life, God either initiates it or God allows it. And everything is for a reason. I wish I had the reason. I wish I had the answer. I don't. I'm not God. But I know that no matter what happens in life, God is fully aware of it. 
And God uses all things for the good of those who love him, whether they be good, whether they be bad, whether they be easy, whether they be difficult, whether they be a breeze or whether they be a challenge. In all things, God knows exactly what he's doing. And when I look at the conditions of the world and what's going on right now, I think God's hand is moving. I don't know exactly how it's all going to shake out, but if we need to learn a lesson, God will teach it. If we need to crash, God will pick us up. If we need to grow, then God will strengthen us. If we need to repent, then God will rebuke us. If we need to be more patient, then God will work with us. If we need more of something, God will give it. If we need less of something, then, then God will take it away. God will remove it. But God is sovereign over all things. And God knows exactly what is going on in our world right now. And so, whatever it is, I'm okay. Whatever is going on right now, my soul is at rest. Because I know that God can handle it. That's peace of God. And as you read all the way through Philippians, you get the sense that, that for Paul, he not only believed it, but he lived it. And why does he say this peace of God transcends all understanding? Because it puts God in the driver's seat, exactly where he belongs. We look at the situations going on around us and we immediately want to take control. I can be a control freak. Those that know me know that I like to jump in and just take charge of things and take control. And here's the plan. Here's what we're doing. But I have to realize that before I can act on anything, especially with the church right now, I need to first go to God. God, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? I was on a long prayer walk the other day when we began to think through where we were going as a church. The first thing I did was I got outside and I took a long walk. And the funny thing is, while I was walking, and there's some walking trails near my house, while I was walking, there was a family approaching me and I recognized them, but I wasn't sure from where. And they recognized me. They, they, they weren't from the church. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure if they were from my community or not. But I said, hi, the guy says, hi. And he says, don't I know you? And I looked at him, I said, you look familiar, but I'm not sure from where. And he goes, are you a pastor? And I said, well, yes, I am. I'm with the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. I said, have you, have you been to our church? And he says, yes, I have visited your, your church. And uh, he's friends with, uh, they're friends with the Burns. And uh, I said, well, well, actually, I'm out right now having a prayer walk. You know, with everything going on, I want to make sure that our church is headed in the, in the right direction. And he, he put his arm on me and said, amen, pastor, thank you so much. And he, he walked away and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to connect, you know, later with him. But with all the things going on, I think the first thing we should do is make sure, am I going to God? Before I'm worried about toilet paper and, and you know, food on the shelf, God, I want to invite you into whatever this is doing in, in my life right now. Make sure I'm good with you. And if I know I'm good with you, then I know I'm going to be good with everything else that's going on. And so when Paul says the peace of God transcends all understanding, again, it, it puts God in the driver's seat. I may not get it. I may not understand everything that's going on. But God, you're, you're in control. You're driving this, this train. So amen, wherever you want to take it, I'm good with that. If we get this, then God gets us and God's got us. And that is the point where we are able to say with all sincerity, 
God really is in control. Now, we know that Paul's background was that of a, a very well-educated Pharisee. He knew the word well, probably familiar with all the Psalms, and no doubt with this one. I want you to look at me in Psalm 46. And uh, I don't know if he had it memorized, but I think there were probably times such as this when he was in this, this jail cell that it was these sorts of things that came to his mind. We're going to read through it together, beginning in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, and listen carefully to this, Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And that's where the peace comes from. I think for Paul, again, sitting in that miserable jail cell in isolation, he knew that God was still God and that God was still controlling his life. And I love the end of this particular psalm. Be still and know that I am God. We can say that easy enough. But how do we get to the point where it's not just a catchphrase? How do we get to the point where it's not just something we say routinely or, or rotely or robotically as we do oftentimes other, other things? How do we get to the point where we really believe that and we start living that? Well, I think first we need to clearly understand what is God asking of us in this scripture? He says, be still. The Hebrew word for that is rapha. And you know what that word means? It literally means to be weak, to let go, to release, to surrender. He says, be still and know. The Hebrew word is yeda. It means to know by observing or reflecting. It's thinking. It's reasoning. It's looking back on past experiences where you can say confidently, I've experienced something similar before. Maybe not to this magnitude and maybe in an entirely different way, but I've experienced this before. So I have a, a, a reasoned understanding of, of how this sort of thing works. Very interesting, the use of the, the, this form, no. We see it with Noah. In Genesis 8, verse 11, it reads, When the dove returned to him in the evening, 
There in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. How did Noah know that the water had receded? He saw the leaf in the dove's mouth. And even though he actually didn't see the land, he knew from evidence in that leaf. He was able to reason and think, there must be dry land out there somewhere. And I think Noah was able to draw back from, from other experiences with God, where if God said something, do it. Like God said, build that ark. But there was no rain. In fact, it was probably clear, clear skies. He built the ark, and guess what? It rained. And so he had enough faith and confidence that God is actually leading this entire thing right now. And so the dove comes back. There's the, the leaf. He doesn't see land, but it's like, aha, God is working. There's a leaf. There must be land someplace. I don't see it. I don't necessarily need to see it right now, just like we don't always need to see the end of the story. But we do need to have enough faith and confidence that, you know what, God is working. So I will be still Rafa, and I will know Yeda that God is working. And so what is God saying to us today? Well, be still, Rafa. Understand who you are and where you are in the grand scheme of things. It's very interesting. In all of God's breathing creation, Pound for pound, we are the weakest. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Have you ever wondered why we're not as strong as a bear or as fast as a cheetah or maybe why we don't have the vision of an owl or the endurance of a camel? Do you know why? Because that's all they have. If they didn't have that speed, that strength, that eyesight, that endurance, they wouldn't survive. But God has given us much more. He's given us a soul, and that sets us apart. There's a part of us that can have a relationship with the Creator. It's that part of us that will live on for eternity. And God wants that eternity to be with him. And God, God knows <laughs> we're not going to get there on our own. And so in his, in his infinite wisdom, God decided to make us weak. It's not a bad thing. God decided you don't need the strength of a bear, the eyesight of an owl, the endurance of a camel, or the speed of a cheetah. I've given you a relationship with me. So God has made us frail, comparatively speaking, so that we will see our need for him. Don't be afraid to admit that. It's a good thing. With all the turmoil in our world right now, surrender, let go, release, Rafa, be still. Say, God, this is yours. Paul had it right. You know, in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, I will boast in my weaknesses 
and he struggled with a thorn in the flesh. Nobody knows what it was. Some think eyesight, some think some other physical disability. It doesn't really matter, but it was something that was nagging him. And he realized at one point in his life, guess what? There's nothing I can do about this. There are things under my control. This is not under my control. And so he was able to say, hey, look, when I am weak, then I know that God is strong. Then I am strong. And Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And isn't that just another way of saying, be still and know that I am God? My power is made perfect in weakness. Be still and know that I am God. Have you ever traveled with kids in a car? There's that, that time-honored question. Are we there yet? And they get antsy and they get impatient. And they're not still. And what does that do for the, for the parents up in the front seat? It drives them crazy. All my kids did it. It drove me crazy. They're adults now. They're out of the house. I can drive in peace most of the time. Let's not drive God crazy. Don't let your anxiety get the best of you. Don't be worried. Don't be doubtful. Don't be fearful. Don't be bitter. Don't be angry. Don't be critical. Don't be negative. Don't be frustrated. Surrender everything to God. Be still and know that God is God. And what, what do we know? What do we yada? What can we reason with our minds and with our hearts that God has given us? We think back to Noah. Again, God told him, build the ark. It's going to rain. And, and it did, even though the sun was shining. What has God shown you in your life? What do you know? What can you look back and say, okay, guess what? I've seen God work in so many other situations in my life. This is yet another opportunity for God to work in my life. We might have a very tough time with our lives right now. And even a tougher time seeing what lies ahead. But we can trust God with all of it. And that's exactly what we see Paul doing sitting in that prison cell. He didn't know what the outcome was going to be. But he knew God. And so whatever, he was going to be okay. He trusted God and it was all good with his soul. I want to close out with one of his most encouraging thoughts. In verse 13, this is still Philippians 4, verse 13, uh, 12 and 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this, through him who gives me strength. Right now, we need to be able to say that. Learn to recognize those times when you simply cannot be in control and joyfully hand it over and say, God, this is yours. You take it. I trust in you completely. I contacted Will uh, Lambert this morning. I heard on the news last night that Spain was in a lockdown and I was very concerned about Will and Kristen and the church in Madrid. And I reached out to Will this morning 
And uh, he gave me an update, so we can certainly be praying for that as we're praying for our situation and, uh, and our global situation. Spain has uh, taken the lead from Italy and uh, is a, in a virtual lockdown right now. Uh, the disciples in Madrid are all doing well. Uh, the, the lockdown they're saying right now is for 15 days. We'll see where that goes after that. But uh, Will tells me that all the stores are closing except for uh, grocery stores and pharmacies. Uh, and they're beginning to really curtail uh, the, uh, the amount of travel in and around Madrid. So it's becoming very limited. I don't know exactly what that means, but apparently you're able to get to certain stores, but that's about it. Uh, so Will asks us to pray for the disciples that, uh, that they will be able to see God's hand in all this. Uh, and also for those that are studying the Bible and those that they've been reaching out to, that, that God will, will use this as an opportunity for people to see their need, that many hearts will be open because of this. And this is not just a prayer we should have for Madrid and for all of Spain, but really this should be our global prayer right now, that no matter what God is doing right now, that this will prick hearts to be able to see that there is more to life than just what we see in front of us, but that there is a living God and we should be reaching out to that God. It's a great opportunity for us as disciples to share our faith and to let people know the reason for the hope that we have and why when everybody else is panicking, we're, we're calm. So we'll ask us to, for us to please pray for that and that God will be glorified through this situation right now there. And um, he, uh, he quoted to me Romans 8, 28, uh, which we know, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We do love God. And uh, we do pray that God is going gonna, is gonna to work powerfully for our good, but not just for our personal good, our own material well-being, but that God will work for the good of the kingdom of God and that this will be an open door. And so uh, I want us to be praying about that, thinking about that. Uh, obviously, things in our church are, are a little different right now. Uh, I'll be working much more with the community group leaders. And so we are, uh, it's interesting that just prior to this, we had prayed and we had talked about our church being more local fo for, um, focused. And so now we are forced to be more community focused, which uh, is, is a good thing. So we'll be working more on that. There's a lot of plans that are going to be worked on right now so that we can uh, make sure that we're moving in the, in the right direction and that God will continue to be glorified. So we're going to pray right now. And then uh, you're all on your own for fellowship and communion. Um, be wise, be smart, uh, don't panic. Uh, make sure that um, we are putting God first and we are trusting. Let's go to God in prayer right now and, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll be dismissed and, uh, and we'll be in touch. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for, uh, for the technology, one that gives us the, the opportunity to be able to do this. Uh, Father, I know that uh, virtually uh, all of our fellowship I think is doing this in my communications with uh, church leaders uh, around. I think this is pretty much the uh, standard mode of operation right now. And we're grateful that we even have these means. Uh, Father, we pray that you can be moving powerfully uh, through all the nations of the world right now. Uh, Father, we pray for all the disciples, wherever they may be. Certainly, God, on our heart are those disciples in Spain and uh, Italy that are in a complete lockdown right now. We pray that you can be uh, guarding their hearts and their minds to trust in you. Father, we pray that disciples that have been affected uh, directly through health uh, issues are brought back to health. I don't really know of any of those situations. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we either have them right now or we certainly will in the future. Uh, Father, we pray for all those that are serving 
on the front lines in the healthcare field, whether they be doctors, nurses, uh, EMS, uh, firefighters, uh, police officers. Uh, Father, we pray that you can keep them safe. Uh, Father, we do want to pray for all those that are working towards solutions, whether they be um, scientists, uh, research engineers, uh, whomever it might be. Father, we pray that uh, that you will you will move this in the, in the direction that will best serve the kingdom of God. I don't even know what that means. But we pray, Father, that whatever will be the best outcome for people to know who you are, however this needs to go, for that to be the ultimate net result, then we pray that your will be done, uh, Father, and that uh, you will be glorified through this. Father, we ask you to protect our fellowship. Give us, uh, give us a great opportunity to be able to, to, uh, to connect with each other by whatever means uh, is prudent at the moment. Uh, Father, we love you so much. We thank you for, for all the blessings that you have given us. And uh, Father, we, we put all things into your hands. We do want to be still. And Father, we do know that you are God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much, guys. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.